we're going to be using this morning. So we've been talking about an unlimited God. In the first week, we talked about Abraham, and we learned that it didn't matter what your age was. And in, in Abraham and Sarah's case, they were old. They were really old, and they were past the age of childbearing, uh, especially Sarah was. And God said, I'm going to give you a son, and I'm going to make you the father of many, many people. Look into the sky, and you see the stars. You're not going to be able to count how many people you're going to be that, that are going to be your descendants. And God gave him Isaac. And even though we make some mistakes, he made some mistakes, and some other things happened in the process. In the end, God still kept his promise. So that was our first week. Our second week was last week, and we talked about how God, when he gives you a dream, he'll fulfill that dream. And we talked about Joseph. Remember, Joseph, okay, so we had Abraham, we had Isaac, we had Jacob, and then Joseph. So Joseph was uh, Abraham's great-grandson. So again, we're already seeing the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham because we have Joseph here. And we saw how Joseph went through a bunch of difficult times. It was very rough. And he didn't think that his uh, dreams would probably, well, I shouldn't say he didn't think. If I was him, I would say I wouldn't have thought it would have come to pass. We would have thought it would have come to pass. But when it was, when God has given you a dream, he's put it in your heart, put it in your mind, he is responsible to fulfill it, and he'll fulfill it at the exact right time that he needs that to be fulfilled. And for Joseph, it was at the very end. Within 24 hours, he went from being in the pit all the way to being the prime minister, second in command only to Pharaoh of the land. Now this, this week, we're going to talk about a man that Jesus took an interest in. This man was not someone that people wanted to hang out with. As a matter of fact, most people hated him because he was corrupt. He stole from them by not accurately telling them how much they owed the government. Yes, he was the IRS agent. No, there's no IRS back then, but you know what I'm, I really mean. Uh, a lot of you, when I said the words, or the letters, IRS, you cringed, because I know uh, a few years back I got a letter in the mail from the IRS and said, you haven't paid enough money, send us some more. And uh, thankfully I had enough money in the savings account to send them some more. Somebody says, well, why don't you just do an extension on that since you didn't know about it? I said, no, I just won't pay these guys. I don't want to mess with me. But, you know, you cringe when you think about uh, the IRS, but this, this is kind of the way they probably thought about him when he came around. And we know just in the last four years, we've, we know what the IRS has been doing to people. Uh, but anyway, before I get in too deep into politics, let's jump over into the word because I've probably talked way too long about that. So uh, Luke chapter 19, we're going we're gonna to go through all ver- 10 verses but, uh, here, but let's just do verse 1 through 4 to start out with. Luke 19, 1 through 4, and those of you, uh, if, again, if you're following along in your app, just click on that button at the bottom when that comes up, the blue button at the bottom, and that will pop up on your screen on your phone. It's really cool. We're reading uh, in the New Living Translation, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Now, you know, I said he was an IRS agent. He wasn't an IRS agent. He was probably had a little bit more prominence than an IRS agent would today. 
So I want you to get a little bit under, more understanding about who Zacchaeus was. First off, Zacchaeus was a Jew, uh, as may be inferred from his name, and from the fact that in verse 9, Jesus expressly uh, speaks to him as a son of Abraham. And the term which designates his office, the chief tax collector, or as some translations use the term, chief among publicans, is unusual, but it describes him really as a superintendent of customs or tribute in the district of Jericho where he lived. Now, this office was probably a very lucrative one, the one he was in, because of the region that he was in. and it was, uh, So it wasn't really strange that Zacchaeus was mentioned as a rich man. Now, uh, something that's really interesting is he's not mentioned in any of the other Gospels. So if you go reading through, you go, well, I can't find him in Matthew. Well, he's not in there, okay? So don't keep on looking. Uh, be a chief, being a chief publican or an overseer among tax gatherers, Zacchaeus had additional opportunity to rip you off. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it because he could, you know, cook the books if he wanted to. And that, too, would have increased his wealth, and that was what that class of people were really famous for was ripping people off that way. So here we have a man, short in stature, but wealthy, and was, he was known to rip people off. Now, remember this if you go, well, who, Zacchaeus, I've heard that name before, but I don't remember. It just sounds so familiar. There's a song. Remember, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed into a sycamore tree to see what he could see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked down from the tree. Okay, you remember that? Now, you oh, yeah, Sunday school. I remember this guy now. So this is who we are talking about, this short man, wealthy short man. And Jesus was coming through the area, and he wanted to see him. Uh, uh, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't. He was too short. Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't see over the crowd? Uh, right now, yeah, Emily's like, yeah, me. Uh, right now, if you go to the... Uh, um, the state fair, you may have a little issue seeing because there's a lot of people there. Somebody might be taller than you. Well, this, is, this is what it was. There's this big crowd of people. Jesus is going on down. People are listening to Jesus teach. And here Zacchaeus is. I mean, I could see him, you know, just j- trying to jump up. Where is this guy? You don't want to see him. So he goes and he climbs up in this tree so he can see Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody important is coming to town that I want to see... I don't know that I want to meet him with me sitting up in a tree. You know, if, if the governor was coming in town, I don't know. I mean, sitting there with my, my legs dangling out of this tree to, to, to see this guy, to meet this guy. But this is how they met up. This is how they met up. This is the avenue that God used to change this guy's life, as we're going to see, and make him new. <clears throat> when we look at the word, there are a lot of rules that you had to follow to get to heaven back then. A lot of man-made stuff, a lot of things that were made up. So many rules that it was almost impossible for the average everyday person to make it to heaven. You, and you know, you may have went to a church or been around some people, some religious people that are, you know, all the rules they have, you go, man, I can never add up. I can never be good enough. I can never do all the things that they say I've got to do to make it to heaven. Because maybe you didn't wear the right clothes. You know, we talked the first week we was here about this being a safe place. And, and a church, a pastor that I knew, and, and a young man who was about 10, 11, 12 years old came into the church. And, and this, this uh, young man, he did not grow up in church. He was not in a good household. His parents were, his, his dad was pretty much a drunk. His mother was a nobody. 
and he comes into church with shorts on. And uh, the pastor saw him and said, you need to get out of here, go change your clothes, and come back. That, that kid, I'm not saying that's the only thing that kept him from out of church, but that kid's not in church today. Because that pastor put a stipulation on what he was going to have to look like to find Jesus. So maybe you've been in, in that situation, or maybe you didn't have the right kind of car. Maybe you didn't read the right translation of the Bible, and so you just couldn't add up. And this is the problem that Zacchaeus was having. And we'll see this in Luke 19, 5 through 7. Luke 19, we're still there, verse 5 through 7. It says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. So he also says that Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people, but the people were displeased with him. And they said, he has gone to be, displeased with Jesus here, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. These people were so upset that Jesus would go and hang out with a sinner, and not just a sinner, but a, but a bad sinner. This guy's probably ripped them off. He's ticked them off. He's made them mad. Even if he hasn't, hey, you know what? He's a tax collector. He must be a horrible dude, right? Because all tax collectors are bad. So we have the two different reactions. Zacchaeus was elated, said he had great excitement and joy. That he was, he was elated. He was excited about Jesus calling out to him. If a popular person came by, even if it wasn't Jesus, and they said, hey, could I come to your house? You'd be excited already. But this is Jesus. This is a man that everybody wants to hear from. He was a teacher, and he was excited. But the reaction from the crowd, they were angry. Why would Jesus let anyone like this? Why would he go into their house? Why would he be around them? See, the crowd saw this as dirty and wrong. So you're not supposed to associate with this kind of person. Sometimes we can get very religious because what upstanding person would associate with this kind of person over here? But with Jesus, this was not impossible. It wasn't a big deal. This was what he was here for, to touch these kind of people. The first thing to remember this morning, you're number one on, on, your, on the back there. No matter how bad you have been, Jesus will still talk to you. No matter how bad you've been, Jesus will still take time out to talk to you. You may be sitting here going, man, I've done some bad stuff. I have just made some huge mistakes. As a matter of fact, Jesus and I were, were close at one point, but I've made some huge mistakes in the process. But let me tell you something. No matter how bad you have been, Jesus will still take time out and talk to you. See, he's an unlimited God. And so what has happened in your life doesn't really have any effect on who he is as God. He can come to you just as you are. You can come to him just like you are. He wants you to come to him. He is not looking for you to clean up first. That's not important to him. He came for those that are dirty. He came 
for those who haven't done everything right. Because I'm going to tell you something. I may be a pastor, but I've made big mistakes. And if you look at many of the apostles, so the great apostles, and you go, wow, man, these guys are awesome. I wish I was like them. I wish I was like King David. You know, he killed a man or had a man killed, you know, murder. He, he, he slept with the guy's wife, got her pregnant, and, and some other things happened in his life. You look at Peter, man. He denied Jesus three times. You look at, you look at Paul. He was killing people because they believed in Jesus. But all of them had an opportunity to talk to God. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, Jesus met him on the road and blinded him because he needed to talk to Paul. He needed to get Paul's attention. God wants to talk to you no matter what you've done. See, there there are a lot of gods out there, lowercase g, right? There's a lot of gods out there. But when you look at them, none of them take you as you are. There's always a stipulation. Sad enough, sometimes the stipulation is to do bad things. And I won't get into all that, but there's always a stipulation with God. There's no stipulation to talk to him because he wants to talk to you. He cares about you. In this world and with this crowd, there was a stipulation. All Jesus needed, though, was for Zacchaeus to say, yes, come to my house. Second thing, second thing on your bulletin, all Jesus needs from you is for you to say, yes, you can come in. It's pretty simple. We make it very difficult. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to make this person happy. I've got to, I've got to, I can't, no. All you've got to do is say, yes, you can come in. That's all he needs you to do. He tells us, Jesus tells us this in Revelations chapter 3 and verse 20. Revelations 3 verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Maybe you've messed up. Like I said, maybe you've done something wrong. Jesus wants something to do with you. He cares about you. He does. He's knocking and he's asking you to let him in. You've got to listen for his voice. You can't sit there, you know. Somebody's coming over. I want you to anticipate that Jesus wants something to do with your life. If somebody's coming over, when Mike's coming over to practice on a Tuesday night, I'm anticipating that he's going to knock on my door. I don't know why he didn't ring the doorbell, but he doesn't. He just knocks on the door. But, hey, that's fine. Maybe because maybe he thinks that my mom's asleep or something. But I anticipate that I'm going to hear a knock on the door. And then he'll knock on the door, and I go and open it. And I, probably if I didn't answer the door, he may holler at me. So I'd be listening for his voice too. But I'm anticipating that. And we should anticipate that with Jesus because I'm telling you about this today. You should anticipate that Jesus is going to knock and say, let me come in and let me eat with you and spend time with you, love on you and talk to you. Just as Zacchaeus did that day, that's well, we, he heard the voice of Jesus saying, Zacchaeus, come down, for we're going to go to your house today. Now, Zacchaeus could have been like, I don't think I heard that. Jesus said, let's go to your house. Zacchaeus was excited. We should be excited. Zacchaeus didn't say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, man, Jesus, I've done some bad stuff. Don't. Man, you know, don't, uh, I don't know if you want to come in here, you know, I don't. Man, you know, um, so-and-so over here, go to their house. 
No, he was excited. And we need to be excited to let Jesus come in. The third thing on your bulletin, when you allow an unlimited God to come in, your whole life will change. When you allow this God to come into your life, your whole life will change. We see Zacchaeus immediately after allowing Jesus into his house. His life changed dramatically. Look at 19, Luke 19, 8 through 10. Luke 19, 8 through 10. It says, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. All right, I want you to stop. Think about that, okay. I want to give half of my wealth to the poor. That's the first thing. And he says, if I've cheated people on their taxes, then I'm going to give them back four times as much. He didn't say, you know what, I've got this much money. I'm going to, you know, go cash out some stocks over here, and I'm going to take that money to pay people back four times. No, he says, first off, he says, I'm taking half my wealth, and I'm giving it to the poor. Second thing I'm going to do is if I've cheated somebody, I'm taking them four times the amount of money and paying it back to them. Jesus said, salvation has come this very day to this home. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. His life changed. There's only one person that could take a a man like Zacchaeus and change his life instantly. And that's Jesus. There's only one God that has the power to do that. Only one. Nobody else, no other God could do that. No other person can do that. And we see so many times, we see people who are messed up, and they go and they try this program, and they try that program, and they try another program, and it just doesn't work. And the one program they haven't tried is listening and hearing Jesus say, hey, let me come in. Because Jesus can change it. When everybody rejected him, when everybody rejected Zacchaeus, Jesus gave him a chance. Jesus gave him a chance. Now, you may have come across, you say, okay, yeah, my, my life's good. I'm right with God. But maybe you've come across that person that's like Zacchaeus. And you're like, man, I wish something would happen to him instead, not that. See, you think, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm too spiritual. Well, there is a prophet named Jonah. Remember Jonah? Remember Jonah? Yeah, come on. There's a prophet named Jonah, and uh, he, was, uh, he was told by God to go to this country called Nineveh and to... Tell them that either they're going to repent or he's going to destroy the country and destroy all of them. So Jonah says, no, I'm not going to do that because I hate the Ninevites. And so I'm going to jump on a boat and I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go the opposite direction. The Lord says, that's not cool. So he sends this storm and the boat is going to sink and they've thrown everything off the boat. Jonah says, uh, they go down and says, Jonah, come on, pray to your God. And he goes, no, it's okay. He ain't going to listen to me anyway. Because, you know, I'm running from him. And that's why this is happening. And they're like, what? 
Long story short, they throw him overboard, right into the water. And this big fish swallows him up. And Jonah's sitting in this thing, and he's aggravated, and he's upset. Finally, he says, okay, God, I'll do what you said. So the, the fish, the great fish goes and pukes Jonah up on the shore. He goes up there. He tells everybody. Everybody repents, and the Lord says, good, I don't have to destroy this place. And then Jonah got all upset about it. After all of that, Jonah gets upset. And he says, what in the world, God? This is, just, this is horrible. You know, you, I wanted you to destroy him. This is just horrible because he didn't like it. You know, we may have, have somebody in our life like that. We may have somebody we know, whether it's a, a job, a family member, or an acquaintance. We may have somebody like that in our life that, that we're like, man, I, you know, I really could care. I just want them out. I just want them gone. Last thing I want them to do is be in heaven because I will see them up there when I get there. And you know, it may sound kind of funny, but sometimes we deal with those things. Sometimes we deal with those things. But you know, as bad as Zacchaeus was, as many people as he hurt, as many people as he had uh, ripped off, Jesus cared. Jesus cared. Jesus cared so much that he came for that that short stature of a man. Jesus cared enough to stop. Jesus didn't have to stop. Jesus didn't have to go to his house, but he stopped and he says, Zacchaeus, come on down. Now here's what's, what's interesting. Zacchaeus was not the only person in that house talking to Jesus. So we don't know how far, how many lives were changed that day because of what God did in Zacchaeus' life. But I'm going to guarantee you that his buddies, and when all of the tax collectors start finding out about what he did, they're going, man, you know, what what would make this guy do this? Jesus, this unlimited God, would make somebody change so dramatically. And the great thing is, is he came to seek and save those who are lost. He came for each and every one of us. He came for every one of us. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute here? You know, a lot of people won't preach on sin anymore. A lot of people won't preach on getting our life right with God and changing and becoming righteous. And when I was thinking about this this whole story, I thought, why... Can we not talk about getting our life right with God? Why can we not talk about us helping other people get their life right with Jesus? Why can't we do that? What is really truly offensive about that? Because if our life is right with the Savior, the one who came to this earth and gave up his throne to die for our sins, even before he knew us, He died for our sins. What's so offensive about that? No, maybe it doesn't feel good. But it doesn't have to offend us. It doesn't have to offend us. We can still be focused on Jesus, but understand that sin exists. 
And that whether it's in our lives that we need to repent of it or if it's in somebody else's life and they need to repent of it, sin still is there. So this morning, I want to ask if, if you're in that situation, you say, you know, I need Jesus to come in and I haven't asked him to come in. I haven't opened the door. He's been knocking. He's been, but I haven't been listening voice and if you're that person and you're here this morning just raise your hand up so I can pray with you if you're that person so here's the second thing here's the second thing I want to ask you can you think of somebody right now a Zacchaeus maybe Maybe you've been aggravated at them. Maybe you haven't been. It doesn't matter. But right now, you can think of that one person. Don't just stop. Just think a minute. Stop. Don't think about anything else. Think in your mind right now that one person. of his lungs and somehow or another that either us or if we can't get to him, if we don't have access to really talk to them, that somebody else will have access. The Bible says that one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. But this is what Unlimited Church is about. It's not about us. It's about the people that are lost and dying and going to hell. If we're not concerned about them, then I don't even know why we would have a church. So you got that person in your mind. We're going to pray right now. Jesus, we come to you and we agree together in one mind, in one accord. For the, pe- for the person that each one of us is thinking about. Lord, nobody raised their hand this morning. But they were in that situation. So I believe that we all are in the right situation. We, we need to be in with you right now. So we're praying for people. Jesus. People who are oppressed. People who are addicted. People who are angry. People who are so lost without you. It doesn't matter how bad they are. We want you to have an opportunity to talk to them. And right now, we call their names out. In your your mind right now, I want you to call that person's name out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I pray for this person right now. I call out this person's name to you right now, Jesus, that you would touch them. 
You're an unlimited God. You're an unlimited God. You can change their life in an instance. It doesn't matter if it's drugs. It doesn't matter if it's alcohol. It doesn't matter if pornography. It doesn't matter if it's just living everyday life and not spending any time with God. I know, God, you can touch their lives. You can change their lives in an instant. Lord, if they will just listen for you, and I call out to you right now. And Lord, we rebuke the evil one. We rebuke those that would come against your word that is going forth right now to these people. Lord, we call them out right now in the name of Jesus.